Section 8 of AIDS to Forensic Medicine and Toxicology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Stearns. AIDS to Forensic Medicine and Toxicology by W. G. Aitchison Robertson. Section 8. 34. Impotence and Sterility. In the male, impotence may arise from physical or mental causes. The physical causes may be too great or too tender in age, malformation of the genital organs, crypsochetes, defect or disease in the testicles, constitutional disease, diabetes, neurasthenia, etc., or debility from acute disease as mumps. Masturbation and early and excessive sexual indulgence are also causes. The mental causes include passion, timidity, apprehension, aversion, and disgust. The case will be remembered of the man who was impotent unless the lady were attired in a black silk dress and high-heeled French kid boots. If a man is impotent when he marries, the marriage may be set aside on the ground that it had never been consummated. The law requires that the impotency should have existed ab initio, that is, before marriage, and should be of a permanent or incurable nature. Marriage, as far as the law goes, being regarded as a contract in which it is presupposed that both the contracting parties are capable of fulfilling all the objects of marriage. In the case of the Earl of Essex, the defendant admitted the charge as regards the Countess, but pleaded that he was not impotent with others, as many of her waiting maids could testify. When a man becomes impotent after marriage, his wife must accept the situation, and has no redress. A man may be sterile without being impotent, but the law will not take cognizance of that. The wife may be practically impotent, but the law will not assist the husband. He must continue to do his best under difficult circumstances. In former times, in case of doubt, a husband was permitted to demonstrate his competency in open court, but this custom is no longer regarded with favor by the judges. The removal of the testicles does not of necessity render a man impotent, although it deprives him of his procreative power. Eunuchs are capable of affording illicit pleasure, whilst the male sopranos or castrati are often utilized for that purpose. In the female, impotence may be caused by the narrowness of the vagina, adhesion of the vulva, absence of vagina, imperforate hymen, and tumors of the vagina. Sterility in women may occur from the above-named causes of impotence, together with absence of the uterus and ovaries, or from great debility, syphilis, constant amenorrhea, dysmenorrhea, or menorrhagia. 35. Rape. Rape is the carnal knowledge of a woman by force and against her will. The resistance of the woman must be to the utmost of her power, but if she yield through fear or duress, it is still rape. The woman is a competent witness, but her statements may be impugned on the ground of her previous bad character, and evidence may be called to substantiate the charge. The perpetrator must be above the age of fourteen years. The definition of rape which we have given is not altogether satisfactory. Take, for example, the case of a woman who goes to bed expecting her husband to return at a certain hour. The lodger, let us say, takes advantage of this fact, and, 
getting into bed, has connection with her, she not resisting, assuming all the while that it is her husband. This is rape, but it is not by force. And it is not against her will, but it is without her consent, as she has not been fully informed as to all the circumstances of the case. In all cases of rape, in which there is no actual resistance or objection, consent may be assumed. It is not essential that the woman should state in so many words that she does not object. The force used may be moral and not physical. For example, threats, fear, horror, syncope. By 48 and 49, Vict, C49, the carnal knowledge of a girl under 13 is technically rape. The consent of the girl makes no difference, since she is not of an age to become a consenting party. An attempt at carnal knowledge of a girl under 13 is a misdemeanor. Her consent makes no difference, and even the solicitation of the act on the part of the child will not exonerate the accused. Intercourse with a girl between 13 and 16, even with her consent, is a misdemeanor. This act is a favorite with the blackmailer. The child is sent out to solicit, dressed like a woman, but appears in the witness box in a much more juvenile costume. To constitute rape, there must be penetration, but this must be of the slightest. There may be a sufficient degree of penetration to constitute rape without rupturing the hymen. Proof of actual admission is now unnecessary. The subject of carnal knowledge, CK, or its attempt, may be summed up as follows. Under 13, CK, felony. Under 13, attempt, consent, no defense, misdemeanor. From 13 to 16, CK, misdemeanor. From 13 to 16, attempt, consent and even solicitation, no defense. Reasonable cause to believe the girl over 16 is a good defense. Charge must be brought within three months. Misdemeanor. Over 16, CK with consent. Subject to civil action for loss of girl's services by father. Nil. Idiot or imbecile, CK with violence, rape. Idiot or imbecile, CK without violence, misdemeanor. Personation of husband, tacit consent, no defense, for obtained by fraud, rape. Married woman, CK with consent, adultery. Mother, sister, daughter, granddaughter, CK, consent immaterial, born in wedlock or not, incest. Females, indecent assaults, misdemeanor. It is a misdemeanor to give to a woman any drug so as to stupefy her, and so enable any person to have unlawful connection with her. False charges of rape are very often made. The motive may be to extort blackmail, revenge, or mere delusion. On examining such cases, bruises are seldom found, but scratches which the woman has made on the front of her body may be discovered, and the local injuries to the generative organs are slight, if present at all. Physical signs. In the adult, the hymen may be ruptured, the forehead lacerated, and blood found on the parts, together with scratches and other marks and signs of a struggle. In a child, there may be no hemorrhage, but there will be indications of bruising on the external organs, with probable considerable laceration of the hymen, the laceration in some cases extending into the rectum. Severe hemorrhage, and even death, may follow the rape of a young child. The patient will have difficulty in walking, and in passing water and feces. 
After some hours the parts are very tender and swollen, and a sticky greenish-yellow discharge is present. These signs last longer in children than in adults, but as a rule, in the adult at least, all signs of rape disappear in three or four days. Young and delicate children may suffer from a vaginal discharge, with swelling of the external genitals simulating an attempt at rape. Infantile leucorrhea is common, and many innocent people have been exposed to danger from false charges of rape on children, instituted as a means of levying blackmail. A knowledge of these facts suggests the necessity of giving a guarded opinion when children are brought for examination in suspected cases. Pregnancy may follow rape. Seminal stains render the clothing stiff and grayish-yellow in color, with translucent edges. On being moistened, they give the characteristic seminal odor. Semen may be found on the linen of the woman and man, and will be recognized under the microscope by the presence in it of spermatozoa, minute filamentary bodies with a pear-shaped head. But it must not be forgotten that the non-detection of spermatozoa is no proof of abstinence of sexual intercourse, for these bodies are not always present in the semen of even healthy adult young men. Spermatozoa must not be mistaken for the trichomonas vaginae found in the vagina of some women. The latter have cilia surrounding the head, which is globular. Florence's microchemical test for spermatic fluid. If a drop of the fluid obtained by wetting a supposed spermatic stain be mixed with a drop of the following solution, potassium iodide, parts 1.65 pure iodine, 2.54, distilled water, 30. In a watch glass, brownish-red pointed crystals resembling hemin crystals are obtained. Barberio's test. Mix a drop of the spermatic stain with a drop of saturated solution of picric acid when needle-shaped yellow thrombic crystals are formed. Gonorrheal stains. A cover glass preparation stain with methylene blue reveals the gonococci lying in pairs within the leukocytes. 36. Unnatural Offenses Trials for sodomy and bestiality are common at the assises, but as they are rarely reported, they fail to attract attention. Sodomy is a crime both in the active and passive agent, unless the latter is a non-consenting party. The evidence of either associated may be received as against his colleague. If the crime is committed on a boy under fourteen, it is a felony in the active agent only. As in cases of rape, admission is not essential, and penetration, however slight, answers all practical purposes. There can be no doubt that in the majority of these cases there exists a congenitally abnormal condition of the sexual instinct, these individuals from their childhood manifesting a perverted sexual instinct. The man is physically a man, but psychically a woman, and vice versa. The tendency nowadays is not to charge these people with a more serious offense, but to deal with them under Section 11 of the Criminal Law Amendment Act, 1885, 48 and 49, Vict, C. 69. This section, which is sufficiently comprehensive, runs as follows. Any male person who in public or private commits or is a party to the commission or attempts to procure the commission by any male person of any act of gross indecency with another male person shall be guilty of a misdemeanor. The penalty is imprisonment for two years, with or without hard labor. It is provided by Section 4 of the same act that a boy under 16 may be whipped. Incest. 
This crime is dealt with under the Punishment of Incest Act, 1908, 8 Edward VII, C. 45. Carnal knowledge with mother, sister, daughter, or granddaughter is a misdemeanor, provided the relationship is known. It also applies to the half-brother and half-sister. It is equally an offense whether the relationship can or cannot be traced through lawful wedlock. Consent is no defense. A woman may be charged with the act if she, being above the age of sixteen, with consent, permits her grandfather, father, brother, or son to have carnal knowledge of her. 37. Blackmailing. There are in London, in every large city, scores of men and women who live by blackmailing or chantage. There are many different forms of this industry. There is the man who knows something about your past life, which he threatens to reveal to your friends or colleagues unless you buy him off. There is a breach of promise blackmailer. And there is a female patient who threatens to charge you with improper conduct or indecent assault. Medical men, from their position, are often selected as victims. The introduction of corridor carriages on many of our railways has done much to stamp out one particular form of blackmailing, but public urinals are still a source of danger. It is the worst possible policy to temporize with a blackmailer. If you give him a single penny, you are his for life. It is as well to remember that it is just as criminal to attempt to extract money from a guilty as from an innocent person. It is of no use attempting to deal with these cases single-handed. You must not only deny the allegation, but spurn the alligator. Put the matter into the hands of a good sharp criminal solicitor, and instruct him to rid you of the nuisance by taking criminal proceedings. 38. Marriage and Divorce Marriage may be accomplished in many ways. 1. By the publication of bonds. 2. By an ordinary license. 3. By a special license. 4. By the superintendent registrar's license. 5. By a special license granted by the Archbishop of Canterbury, in consideration of the payment of the sum of twenty-five pounds. Then, for persons having a domicile in Scotland, there is the marriage by repute. The consent of the parties, which is the essence of the contract, may be expressed before witnesses, and it is not requisite that a clergyman should assist, but it is essential that the expressions of consent must be for matrimonial intent. Habit and repute constitute good evidence, but the repute must be the general, constant, and unvarying belief of friends and neighbors. The cohabitation must be in Scotland. Any irregularity in the marriage ceremony, or the non-observance of any formality, will not invalidate the marriage unless it were known to both the contracting parties. If a man were married in the wrong name, the contract would still be valid if the wife were unacquainted with the, with the deception at the time. If the person who officiated were a bogus clergyman, the marriage would hold good if the contracting parties supposed him to be a properly ordained priest. In a case in which a marriage was solemnized in a building near a church at the time when the church was undergoing repairs, and where during such alterations divine service had been performed, it was held that the ceremony was good. To all intents and purposes, marriage comes under the law of contract. See Anson W. R. Bart and the law looks to the intention rather than to the actual details. All marriages between persons within the prohibited degrees of consanguinity or affinity are null and void. This prohibition extends both to the illegitimate as well as the legitimate children 
of the late wife's or husband's parents. A marriage with a deceased wife's sister is now legal in Great Britain and the colonies, and is recognized in most foreign countries. A common device of people within the prohibited degrees is to get married abroad, but such marriage is strictly speaking inoperative, and the children of such union are illegitimate. Practically, however, it is a matter of no importance, for when people live together and say they are married, they are accepted at their own estimate. A man can obtain a divorce from his wife if he can prove that she has been guilty of adultery since her marriage. This may be established by inference. Obviously, it is difficult in the majority of cases to establish by ocular demonstration that adultery has been committed. But given evidence of familiarity and affection with opportunity and suspicious conduct, a jury will commonly infer it. A woman cannot obtain a divorce from her husband for adultery alone. She must prove adultery plus cruelty, or adultery plus desertion without reasonable cause. Failing this, she may be able to prove either bigamy or incestuous adultery. Legal cruelty is a very comprehensive term, and does not of a necessity mean physical violence. If the husband, as the result of his infidelity, were to give his wife a contagious disease, that would constitute cruelty. Taking a more extreme case, if a husband were to have connection in her house with his wife's maid, that would probably be held to constitute cruelty, as it would tend to lower her in the eyes of her servants. A wife can obtain a judicial separation if she can prove, one, adultery, two, cruelty, or three, desertion without reasonable cause for two years. If a husband is away in his business, as, for example, the case of an officer ordered abroad, that is not desertion. For a woman to get a judicial separation, it is sufficient if she can prove one variety of matrimonial offense. But for a divorce, she requires more than one. A jury may find that Mrs. A has committed adultery with Mr. B, but that Mr. B has not committed adultery with Mrs. A. The explanation is that a wife's confession is evidence against herself, but not against another person. You can confess your own sins, but not another's. The divorce law of Scotland differs materially from that of England. In Scotland, there is no decree nisi, no decree absolute, and no intervention by the king's proctor. Instead, there is a single and final judgment, and when a decree of divorce is pronounced, the successful litigant at once succeeds to all rights, legal and conventional, that would have come to him or her on the death of the losing party. If the husband is the offender, the wife in such circumstances may claim her right to one-third of his real estate, and if there are children, to one-third of his personal property, and to one-half if there are none. Voidable Marriages If a man and woman go through the marriage ceremony, such a contract is null and void under the following circumstances. 1. Where bigamy has been committed. 2. If one of the parties were insane at the time of the marriage. 3. Where the plaintiff is under sixteen years of age. 4. When the marriage has not been consummated or followed by cohabitation. 5. When one of the parties was incapable of performing the marital act, impotent, and such not known by the other at the time. 6. When drunkenness has been induced so as to obtain consent. 7. Concealment of pregnancy at the time of marriage. End of section 8. Recording by Jennifer Stearns, Concord, New Hampshire.